0: Pickett, she lays it off to Teresa Polias. It's an absolute and peach. He
1: is driving. Yes! What a hit from the Ez! Wow! And Sam Kerr has a hat trick. Myanmar oh,
0: one-nil. And welcome back to Radio Dub. Another edition, another short, quick, short, sharp edition of Radio Dub. Thirty minutes. We're in. We're out. We get through the topics. I appreciate. I respect it. You know what? i subbed in Lockie. It was good.
1: But and not good enough.
0: It, no, no, it was good. It was good. And I said, you know what? Sometimes I say three's a crowd, but I don't believe three's a crowd. So we've subbed in Oscar. You've heard him, man of mystery. Oscar, I'm just saying, you're a man of mystery on Radio Dub. We haven't had you before, I don't think. <laughs> or maybe once. No, yeah, remember. you went no, once. I feel, you
1: know what I feel like this is? You know when a manager is like under threat for their job? <laughs> and so... The director of football doesn't sack the manager, Mm. but like appoint some sort of overseer, (laughs) like you know, advisor type figure who everyone knows is eventually going to replace the manager who's under the pump. That's how I feel like right now. I feel like Oscar's coming in.
0: Are you
1: handing your resignation? No, 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 no. (laughs) I'm saying that you have installed an extra person into the fold who might be this sort of advisor figure and I've now been, me, the underfire head coach uh, or assistant coach in this case, yeah. is uh, it, I'm going to be sacked in the
2: morning. Just I've not been convinced ta- that your vision for the program is, is aligned with the club's Lockie, yes. thanks for the memories, but <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah.
0: You know, I've looked at resumes and the resumes are holding up, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure about <laughs> They're holding up, but you know what, They might. I might suddenly lose them and say, oh, sorry, I never got your resume, you've got to go. We'll see. We'll For hope. someone
1: you've already employed. Interesting <laughs> strategy.
0: <laughs> it is, but you know it's how it works. But you know what? Let's get to the weekend's yes. round of fixtures. It was an interesting round of football. I think we got our fixtures. Oh, We altered on one of them from last week, but I can't remember exactly remember which one. But we'll start with the game you commentated, Oscar. Mm-hmm. Boxfield United versus Bayside. 3-0 to Boxfield. I think we all expected Boxfield to go comfortably the winners. I think they've won all three of their... Fixtures like this season against Bayside,
2: something like that. Yeah, I,
0: I believe so, because uh, I compensated the last one. Look oh, at this. What a um, Serena,
1: so At least two. <laughs> exactly.
0: the first one, two all. Ah,
2: two all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, who cares? And at most two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, asking, take us through that game. What did you think?
2: Yeah, well, it was um, it was actually a pretty decent contest. I say actually in the sense that I've been quite impressed with uh, Bayside, particularly since Luis Paredes has come in. I think they look much more are organised, they look like they have a game plan much more often and they're they're much closer to executing it. And they did for about an hour on Friday night. They really made it difficult for Box Hill. It wasn't the kind of game where Box Hill were peppering the goal and you felt like it was only a matter of time. They really made it quite difficult for for the home side to generate opportunities. But that eventually changed because Box Hill has Sophia Sakhalis and when you have a player of that quality that's kind of head and shoulders above most of the other players in the division let alone the match uh that kind of proved to be the decisive factor
0: yeah I think we, we spoke about it last week for me that box Hill midfield i I find it really impressive and they they stand out I think they've just got some weak parts some other parts of the field that just aren't as strong enough and sometimes fail to perform in big games but I guess Bayside for them against Bayside this year they've always seemed to show up besides the first game but Sophia Sakalis yet again, I think she was involved in all three goals, scored the first two and then assisted the third one. I don't know what more to say about that play. She's been phenomenal.
1: Yeah, well, I think nothing exemplifies the strength of that box hill midfield more than the opening goal. I mean, how well worked that was. Just a sequence of brilliant passes before Sophia Sakalis's eventual finish. I mean, the reverse pass from... Candela Candelaria Rabas on the edge of the penalty box to to play it to Yasevsky, who eventually crosses it in for the opening goal. Oh, it's just elite. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely top level stuff. And yeah, they're a bit of a a weird one, aren't they, Box Hill? Because I think I think they are still a chance of sneaking into that you know final space yep. in the top four. But I I would say that they haven't quite hit the heights that I think many people hoped when they saw their roster at the start of the season. I I just wonder if maybe uh, as much uh, as I do rate Sophia Sakalis as a player, if maybe a focal point, a real sort of presence who can lead that. Because Sophia Sakalis is not necessarily an out-and-out striker. She is probably more suited as an attacking midfielder, but she's kind of had to you know, be involved in that sort of pointy end of the of the formation. Yeah, I just think if maybe uh, someone who's more naturally suited to that role is is an area in which that you know Box Hill have, have, have lacked this season because there's decent defenders there. Uh, Aaron Hudson is a goalkeeper that I rate really highly. It's not a million miles away from no, from a good, a really not, competitive squad.
0: I think they'll look back on this season and probably be disappointed with the way the season has unfolded because. They are a better team than th- their results have shown. And I think sometimes they've, they have they have lapses, like really big lapses in games. And then they have moments where they're like really, really special. But you, there's, no, there's no real consistent football from them that has allowed them to, you know, catch up to the likes of Alamein and even FV Emerging, who are probably more consistent on a week-by-week basis. You kind of know what you're going to get from them. They might just not be strong enough by the end of the game. Box Hill have just kind of faded in a lot of games and have... Wendell to be seventh on the table.
2: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, as Loki was saying in the sense that they, they have a strong roster and there are several really high-quality players, and I think that the spine of that team, I know we were talking about up, up top and having that, that presence who can really pull it all together. We've seen Aaron Cate try tried out in that central striker role to kind of support mm. Sophia Cicala, they, you know,
1: there, there was always going to be a cap on how long they actually had her for. Of course, she's uh, back, back in the US playing uh, for Monroe, the, the college over there. And so uh, that was always going to be you know, yeah it's nice to have her, mm. and they look better for having her, but she's uh, she's gone, and they haven't really got a replacement
2: well yeah i i and I think I was just going to make a broader point that the spine, though I think, through the middle box heel is quite strong, I mean if you've mm. got Tegan Allen at, at the back who is obviously so composed and looks so impressive for me on a week by week basis, and then you spoke about the midfield obviously last week, so that they've got kind of. I think what we're all kind of saying is they've got the, the foundations, the building blocks of a really good team. And it's been good to see Hohelion uh, trying out some of the kind of younger players over the last few weeks. I mean, on the weekend, it was um, Emily Mackey and Sarah Petkaris both playing on the left-hand side in, in the left-back and the left midfield, left-wing position. So, you know, they're, they're trying to find, I guess, that extra gear, that extra level of quality that they, up to this point in the season, haven't quite had.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong there. And what about Bayside? Yeah. You know, for them, I'm kind of just looking for them to score because I think that was a really big problem for them. They struggled, struggled terribly to score goals. And even when they were competitive, you can't win football games if you're not scoring. How did you see them? Obviously, you said that they were strong for about the first hour of the game. How have you seen them so far?
2: Yeah, they were strong in a out-of-possession defensive sense. I think that, you know, and this isn't surprising to say that they still are lacking something up top or quite, or quite a lot of creativity, really. I'm not really sure who's meant to be generating the opportunities. Of course, there is Julia Budiongo who's up there and, and has proven herself to be a good enough quality striker. I think she's scored six goals this mm. season, plus the two assists, which, and I worked this out for the commentary, was... But based out of scored 14 goals in the league as a whole this season, so she's been directly involved in eight of those goals. So, so you can see how reliant they are on Budiango for for any of the the goals that they're scoring or creating. And but, but it's it's such a it's such a hard gig for her to to play in that role where she gets such so few opportunities in such little time on or near the ball. So it's the the, the players around her I don't think are. Well, uh, I don't want to blame the players as opposed to the system, which basically relies on her being up there and holding the ball up and creating something once or twice a half when she gets the ball. Well, yeah,
1: she's, she's one of, I think, six players who were tied for equal second mm. on six goals. I think Yusevsky and now Sakhalas are both in that list. I, I, I'd be interested to get your thoughts because to, to help settle a, a kind of debate that Pekura and I were having last week about Julia Julia uh, She She has that feel of a player who is maybe capable of, I mean, we've seen her at South Melbourne before, but capable of perhaps going to a a side higher up the table next season and and having a bit of an impact. Given what we've talked about, the uh, yeah, or spoke about rather, yeah. the deficiencies uh, of Box Hill, the, the lack of a, a real out-and-out presence in that nine position, mm. is Budiongo maybe, because I think this is maybe what we were proposing yeah, yeah. last week, is Budiongo maybe someone who you look at, particularly given you've had the chance to see her play directly against Box Hill, mm. who might be
2: a, a fit? It's a, it's a really, well, based on what we've described so far, it seems like a, a dream match kind of thing. Like that... Mm. Not like like a dream combination. I don't mean. What's with each you
0: choose grammar today? Come on, guys. Pick <laughs> up let's get on. The, get on with it. Come on, guys.
2: No, um, no. I I think that could be a very good move. I do. I think for both parties. I think that I feel like there's only so many seasons you can take as Boodieongo of, of playing that role in, in that isolated position. Mm. And so that would be a step up for her. And I think that she could really pull together lots of what we see from Box Hill and kind of make it a more finished product.
1: And, and sorry, Paku, just quickly. What of what of um, Ania as well? Because I I know there are a few people who maybe are detractors of her in this competition that mm. she's maybe uh, a, a bit too sort of pace and power reliant, yeah. and that she fits into to Box Hill, but might not be a player who can necessarily reach a level sort of higher or more prominent than that. But I've got to say, every time I've watched her. This season, she's been really, really impressive, and she does now have six goals to her name for the season. What do you, what do you make of, her, of the season that she has had?
2: I, I completely understand a criticism which says that she is pace and power that that's that is her game and that's what she does, and I think there is truth to that. But I'm also probably not as critical of players who who are just that that is their game, I think that that gets you a long way and that can be really effective and we've seen that with Yosevsky as a as a key example of someone who th- can be really effective even though that maybe has a has a ceiling
0: i I think that is like the core foundation of her playing style but I do think there are glimpses of other things in her play right. and like I think she can link up well with others and I don't think that the criticisms are you know then they're, they're they're warranted but also you've got to take it on the other side that she actually does provide a lot for this box hill side that has some skills that some other players on box hill don't provide them. So, you
2: know, I think also the way that box hill play facilitates Jucsy playing in that in that kind of pacey manner in particular. Just because if you don't have that big target up top, you're kind of relying on Sofia Sakala's dropping deep or keep being there, who's who who aren't kind of holding, who aren't giving you this structure at the at the top of the pyramid or at the top of the the, the formation. And so that that means that there is often kind of a, a swarm of players running towards the goal at one time. And we saw on the weekend or on Friday night how often Juczewski was in dangerous positions with players in the box.
0: Now I feel like we need to we need to we need to jump up. I said quick thirty minute show, you know, to get to we want to get to the points, get to the points, you know. Another three seems to be the magic number of the weekend because Heidelberg beat FV emerging three nil again. Oh, not, why did I say again? I don't know why I said again. Just. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, last time F.E. Emerging, last time they played each other, F.E. Emerging actually won. Uh, sorry, I just got distracted because I was looking at, at at the sports TG page and just to see so many 3-0 results, Yeah, just kind of looks like there's been a weekend of like yeah. forfeits. Like yeah. I'm looking at a right. State League 4 kind of sports <laughs> TG and just really tough weekend, like 3-0 losses across the board. It's weird that you have them at that high yeah. volume, but they're all legitimate. <laughs>
0: they are all legitimate. And Heidelberg, I think, as we predicted, would came out 3-0 victors against F.E. You know, F.E.... Yeah, had a strong weekend last weekend, beating Colder, And you know what? Sometimes the highs can stay, and sometimes the highs, they say bye bye. Only one little, one little time. But Huddersfield, Lockie, trying to k- keep that first uh, place. They're back on top. Or yeah, 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 they're, back they're, on they're one point ahead. Of one course, colder, colder do yeah. have
1: the uh, the game in, in, in hand, hand, hand against against Box Hill United, which you would expect them to win. You would expect you were more them to win. You last
0: week, you were saying you were very sure. Well, you
1: week. would. I'm trying to give Box Hill a a window here because they've got their own stuff to play for. Obviously, they play out, we'll talk about it later, but they play Alamein next week. They get a win in that. They're one point behind the top four. Then you've got that game in hand against Calder. If you sneak a draw there, then potentially you're uh, you're in the four. But yeah, Heidelberg, I've got to say, somewhat surprisingly, I guess, given their form five wins on the bounce going into this game, didn't have it all their own way. In in the first half, in particular, we saw Fe Emerging create quite a few good chances. Uh, Caitlin Carich had quite a good chance, I think, down to down to the left of the keeper inside the opening thirty minutes, and yeah, I, I, that has been a bit of a bit of a continuing trend, unfortunately, for for Caitlin Carich this season. She's a player who I really do rate. I think she's a really intelligent player. I know Pakura and I don't exactly. Agree? Oh, I think when she's it,
0: good. I, I, I think there is still a lot to develop in her game, that it, she's quite a raw talent, There's the way I, yes, I see her. Yes,
1: yes. But I think her off-the-ball intelligence, the, the position she gets herself into, the amount of chances that her run-making ability and that positioning, as I've said, allows her to have is a really, really positive sign for a player who is, let's not forget, still under the age of, of 18. Um So if she can just complement the the amount of chances that she gets with a a few more uh, into the back of the net, that will be a big, big thing for her. But she just has a lot of those opportunities where she takes up a great position, she gets a ball in a goal-scoring area, uh, and unfortunately can't find the finish. But yeah, it was a competitive first half, uh, not so in the second. It was a pretty handy uh, brace from... From Rebecca Burrows in this game, sorry Emily Roach. Emily Roach. Oh, go ahead. I've got. I'm just thinking What's going of uh, on today? Thinking, thinking of um, thinking of Rebecca Burrows because she's made that move to Canberra. Um, it was quite a brilliant brace from Emily Roach. Obviously, the first goal I tap in, but set up by some great work down the right hand side from Mia Giorgio, and then the goal as well was just um, just a bender.
0: I will say about my Caitlin Carriage thing. I I think that when I when she was playing for City. Uh, in the A-League women's season. Yep. I wasn't probably... I, I think my the stock that I had for her was very, very low at the time. And I think seeing her play for FV emerging, it is definitely, like, I've definitely my standing of her, I've, I think it's improved. I think she's a lot better than watching her against A-League women's. Obviously, she's under 18, so yep. that's easily expected. But I think there's, her future looks bright. Um, I think there's just a few things that she needs to work on. She needs to be a little bit stronger when she yep. is holding onto the ball um, to try and hold the ball up. That's something that I think she really needs to work on in the off season.
2: I think that the Caitlin courage in the A-League women's thing, yeah, I, I think what you're saying is absolutely right in the sense that, you know, that wasn't, I don't think that was really expected for her to particularly have a huge impact, but more so as a learning experience yeah. and, to, and to see what elements of her game need the most work? I think that was the point of the exercise, and I think we understood that. And I think, as you say, physically, she just didn't. She wasn't up to the same level as the yeah. as the rest of the competition. Whereas at MPLW level, it's still a very high level, and still a lot. And still, at times, she does look uh, outdone in the physical, c- considering the physicality of it all. But but yes, she's she's much more equipped to deal with that level of football, and and we've seen that at times throughout the season with FV emerging.
0: Yeah, and FE Emerging, who do they play
1: next up? They have. I'm not 100% sure, but while you're uh, running <laughs> through the Sports TG page to find that out, I do want to bring up something that I mentioned right before we went to air. South Melbourne. About. No, no, not about South Melbourne. No, but oh, they play South Melbourne next <laughs> <laughs> like, unrelated to South Melbourne, actually, as a serious non sequitur. Um, about Heidelberg is that. Their next game, I'm not. I need you to run run the numbers again, Bakua. <laughs> but they have got four games left Coal to play he- this no, not season. Not about Heidelberg. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Uh, they've got four games left to play this season. They have not had a single draw this year. Kolder, the next game, you would say is probably the most likely yeah. of the games they've got left to end in a draw, but. I'm not sure. Has that ever happened before? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might have to have yeah. to ask uh, Tony Pasoli, the the Football Victoria historian, to see if there's ever been a. I, I feel like maybe Calder would have had a yes. season or two where perhaps they've just gone through a whole year without like registering a draw and just winning every game. Yeah. But other than that, it, I feel like that would be rare. So maybe on the verge of some uh, some Victorian footballing history I'm here.
0: Going to be honest. NPLW history. I'm. I don't look in my direction for that, so maybe Oscar, do you do you remember?
2: <laughs> well, well, what I would say is that I'm sure it's more likely to be a, a, a once a once-off event if they're a team that doesn't finish like top or bottom, and also doesn't get a draw throughout mm. their season, because I feel like we can exclude a couple of like there could be some outliers of teams that lost nearly everything or won nearly everything, but if you they could not win the league and yet draw. Sorry, not words, draw and not draw. This is this is this we is not a... We are
0: having an absolute stinker today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we'll be better. We'll be better next week. It's fine. Right. It's, it's fine.
2: Plain wrong. It's wrong. No, I plain think wrong. I think the fact that Heidelberg are yet to draw I think speaks to the mentality that John Clemente instills in his side. And, uh, I think from watching their games, they're not particularly interested in, in, in. Well, obviously, they're not interested in coming away with with the draw. they they're, they're kind of all or nothing. It's it's. It's We believe we can win every game, and so we go out to win every game, and frankly, we'd rather lose than, than not throw everything at at, winning, at getting all three points.
1: Yeah, well, that was sort of what he said after the, the semi-final result in the Nike FC Cup against, against South Melbourne. He was sort of like, I would rather, yeah, exactly as you said, would rather leave it all out there on the park and register a loss, as they did in that game against South uh, then, yeah, settle. Obviously, the Cup competition, not a, an area in which you can settle for a draw, but, you know, it is that all-or-nothing mentality that he does bring into the side.
0: I do love that all-or-nothing saying. But I feel like the only two teams this weekend who didn't get the memo that there was 3 nil or nothing was South Melbourne and Alamein, who came to a 2-2 draw. You know what? South Melbourne have been on a good run as of late after that Nike FC Cup win against Heidelberg, and Alamein have... They've been consistent throughout the majority of the season and a 2 3 draw seems fair based on the, the recent track record of both teams.
1: I feel like they've kind of – Alamein have just really flown under the radar this season yeah. just because they've been consistently kind of – well, middle, middle of the road in, this, in the actual amount of teams in the competition. Like, they have been fourth or fifth most of the time but still in the finals places. But, yeah, a lot of the focus has sort of been at the polar ends of the table. Obviously, the race for the top between – well, initially Bulleen, Calder, Heidelberg, now maybe mainly just Calder and Heidelberg, and also down the bottom when South Melbourne had such a poor run to start the season. Uh, so much focus has been on the polar ends that not a lot of attention has been being been paid to Alamein, just sort of coasting along in these final spots. But, yeah, a, a, a bit of a disappointing result, though, it, in the way in which yeah. it happened uh, I think, at Lakeside.
0: I think Alamein would probably be disappointed that they couldn't hold on to that uh Two one victory because it was very late, last minute, ninetieth minute, I believe. That, right, yeah. that South Melbourne scored that goal by if I can see it, Karina Tolia. Pre- Karina, Talias. Karina Talias, yes. thank you very much. Not
1: the, the number twenty seven, Karina
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um Yeah, but uh, I had a penalty in this game. What were your thoughts on that penalty? was a little bit controversial.
2: Yeah, so it was, it was against Jana Lawson, wasn't it? On the the handling the ball deemed to have occurred on the goal line. I was saying this to you before Pukura off I, You know, was it a red card? It, it felt a bit harsh in the sense that I don't think it was deliberate by not any no. means. I, I felt like that was a mistimed attempt to get her body behind the ball, which ended up with her arms. She just couldn't quite get across all the way. So I, I did feel it was unfortunate. I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty, and, and it may well have indeed been a red card. But, but yeah, it, it felt quite unlucky for, for Janet Lawson, although the referee was decisive. They, they were sure.
0: I will say I, I think it was quite an unlucky red card because I don't think it was – I think it kind of glanced off her like right arm, I believe, yeah. and she was just kind of unlucky to be in that place. But kind of needed to be in that place, otherwise there was going to be a goal anyway.
1: See, I, I think it's a tough one. I think that her movement is a little bit deceptive in the sense that a lot of the time with an intentional handball – especially those ones that do kind of look instinctive in the moment, not really thinking about it too much, the person who's committing the offence is just moving their arm, whereas in this case, Jana Lawson sort of moves her whole body across while her arm is sort of, you know, bent at the elbow facing upwards, away, out and away from her body. I do think the fact that she's moving her whole sort of frame maybe disguises the fact that she is you know, for all intents and purposes, doing that motion in an effort to create a stoppage of the ball against her arm. I think maybe that's so do you why think she deliberately used her arm to. Yeah, to stop it? Okay. I d- I do think so. I don't think she necessarily it's so much than
0: the rest of us. I don't <laughs> think she.
1: Well, I I just wonder if maybe the motion in which it happened, because yes, she's also coming across to just sort of defend the goal line at the tighter angle uh, against, I think Sydney Allen. Yeah, Sydney but Allen's um. Better. I think the hand also, you know, I th- I think it's well disguised, but I think the referee, in my view, did a good job to to pick it out and and give a red card. But I don't even want to focus too much yeah. on the actual giving of the penalty itself. That that is much less uh, interesting to me than what actually happens in the build up to the concession to of the penalty, which is a a bit of a out of bounds or not a, a Schrodinger's this- a goal kick kind of moment because. because- it was a Caitlin story who who looped the ball back in before the penalty was eventually called. But it it, it was a out. tight angle. Me and
0: you when we watched it, it was... our instinct like our instinct was like, is that ball gone out? Oscar, you thought it looked like it was still in, but I yeah. thought that ball clearly was had gone crossed over that, that line and it mm. had been played back in. I and
2: mean, the last time you showed me, I, it was the first time I was almost convinced. But I I certainly don't think that we had a good enough view to make a fair call. I, I, I just don't believe that we're, 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 we're able to assess that yeah, reasonably
1: I I think it's suspect, but I think the decision... Ultimately, the person who made the decision, which is the the lines linesperson, in this case, would have been in a better position than us. because <laughs> that's
2: such a cop out answer, but it's true. no, 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 <laughs> but, but, in true. The, but like yeah.
1: because the view at Lakeside, the the camera position is quite far away from the pitch. We're obviously seeing the incident through a sea of bodies in the penalty box, and also the other element that makes it really difficult, particularly for us to judge, not even without even bringing up the angles, is the fact that the balls is actually in the air yeah. when it's it's met by the, the foot of Caitlin's story to recycle the cross back in. We would have a more definitive or more appropriate look if it was against the ground and we can clearly see the line, but at that angle, when the ball's in mid-air, you can't really be definitive and I do think I'm going to express my concerns about the legitimacy of what happened thereafter, but Choosing to park that to one side oh, you know and, and I, trust the uh, trust the assistant referee here.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go contrary, contrary to everyone. I think it was out. Like it just okay. looked like the like the shadow of the ball looked like it's crossed over the line, and I just felt like I feel like it's just unlucky all the way through.
2: The one other thing I would add is that none of the South players went up or no one appealed for the ball having gone out of play, which I feel like you'd expect to see from all the players crowded around the okay, box. Had wrong. it done so, I was
0: wrong, guys. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. You know what? <laughs> Well, I mean, the-
1: in,
2: in in this
1: argument, you're not necessarily wrong because none of us from our viewing position can be definitive about it. But historically, yes, you are wrong yeah. because it wasn't a goal kick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Should
0: so, have been a goalkeeper. Oh, you not totally wrong.
1: Say you historically, just, you're just wrong about this. You're just partially so like- wrong. No. <laughs> just, just
0: slightly, slightly <laughs> wrong. Um, and the final game of the weekend, which was well, all the weekend actually, last night uh, where we saw FC Bolin Lions versus Calder, Colder coming out 3 0 victors. And FC Bullion kind of put up a good fight and they were competitive uh, through most of the game, but Colder obviously showed their class and came out 3 0 uh, victors.
2: What's your thoughts? It was kind of the trend across the weekend in all of the 3 0 games, wasn't it? That the first half was tight and even mm. and no one could really get ahead, but then the better team in all three games just eventually had that extra gear that they went to. And I mean, it's. It's a story that we've we've read a few times from Calder so far this season. Read, seen uh, from Calder a few times this season. Just getting ahead, and then at that point, it puts so much pressure on the opposition because we know how defensively strong Calder are, and that opens up space behind which they're very good at exploiting. And, and that's what we saw on Monday as well.
1: I mean, it's sometimes these quality sides at the you know the top end of the table can just create something out of out of very little to to break a game wide open. We kind of saw that. For the the opening goal for for Heidelberg with that brilliant run down the right hand side, I don't actually think it was me, Georgie. I am not one hundred percent sure. I think
2: it was Grace Jarley.
1: Grace Jarley, yeah. yes, yes, no, it was Grace Jarley, yeah. You are right. Uh, to to set up Emily Roach, like that's just a, a amazing, brilliant run and dribble to set up a tap in. And in the, in a similar sort of way, I thought the cross from uh, Raquel Giralis for Alex Sinclair's opener was brilliant. She put it. It was a perfectly brilliant, placed cross in the sense that she, you know, it wasn't hit super hard. It wasn't hit with whip or anything like that. But the actual placement, like where the ball was supposed to start dropping, it was right in between the two defenders. And as good of a a, a, of a ball in as it was, the credit also has to go for our, to Alex Sinclair because you kind of see her make the run towards the front post mm-hmm. and then is clearly judging... The ball in flight as it comes towards the penalty box, takes that little step which has pushed one defender away from her and gets in that gap. And she's not the tallest player, but she didn't need to be because her movement in the box was so so good that she was able to base to create an open look for herself uh, off what was you know an inviting cross. And those are the kind of moments that are decisive that change games, yeah, especially yeah. when she you know when you're a side that can break in the way Calder does. Once you've got the 1-0 lead, often – you and you've got the defence that they do, you don't need much more.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong there. And she looked so calm uh, as that ball came in. And just, that finish was just – the goalkeeper just almost, like, just stopped. It's just as if, like – she just she stopped as if, like
2: – Rooted to her spot. So
0: she was like, what just happened? Like yeah. just, like I feel like I've, she's, like, taken a, a nap for two seconds and it's just in the back of the net. But there was also another penalty in this game. Um, I can't – can we remember? Well, I can't. My brain's faded. And who got the yellow card for it? Should I was you? Alana Byrne. Alana Byrne, thank you. <laughs> that one was that one was almost as like unlucky as that first one we saw in the South Melbourne game, and the ball just kind of as Alex Sinclair was playing it forward, it just kind of ricocheted off the both of them, and yeah. it just hit her in the arm. And I thought it was it was definitely a penalty, but it was quite an unlucky penalty because you just find yourselves in that in that spot there.
2: Yeah, I think it's It's obviously such a long term layered debate that we have in this sport about the handball rule and that's kind of i think that's part of the reason that, that we tried to implement some more protective measures for defenders because in that instance there's not much that you can do really there were, there was no intention in that it was just an incident of, of where the ball was and how it happened to to ricochet into into the defender's arm but um I think we're all in agreement that it probably was a penalty. The yeah. yeah, arm was apart from the body; it clearly hit it. That affected where it was going. Um, so I think I think we have some consensus on that. Even if it were harsh, yeah. Well, it yeah, was harsh.
1: It, it's it is one of those ones. Do I feel good about the fact that it's a penalty? Like, do I feel sorry for Alana Byrne for having been the player who conceded it, made the game two 0 through very little fault of her own? Yeah, absolutely, I do. But do I think it's the wrong call as a result of those things? No. no, And with the handball being the way that it is now, that interpretation where it sort of doesn't consider context in in the same way or intent in the same way that it, that it used to, that's just the, the sort of thing that, yeah. that's going to happen. And Al- Alana Byrne is um, just the, the unfortunate recipient of, of that eventuality this time around.
2: And I might add, unlucky deflections are a part of football all over the pitch. That's the thing that happens mm. in every game all the time. So it... it it doesn't seem unreasonable that we are, we're consistent with that, that if you get an unlucky deflection, or well, that's something you have to cop in, in, at some point in your in, in this game, in this sport.
1: Yeah. It's one of those stra- – like, just to take it to really, like um, – Macro level. Yeah. It is just one of those strange things about football, isn't it, that, that all these coaches in the NPLW would be mostly obsessed with, you know, having their team – particularly the, the teams at the top end of the table, having the team perform in a different way, taking a certain tactical approach, like really believing that this is the best way to win games of football. And yet these random elements of, of chance could so often just make things completely irrelevant. I don't know if that was a much more the, profound statement yeah. in my head than it was <laughs> while I was saying it, but it's it really is like... It's like a bounce was, out of the match
2: play, isn't it? It's just unfortunate. Yeah, times, yeah, it's...
1: I don't know. I, I, it's it's funny <laughs> because it, it frustrates you as a, as a coach, as a watcher, as a supporter when one of these random cha- you're like, ah, oh, well, we would have won so if this why we random love thing didn't exactly, it's why we love. Yeah. exactly. Like it's it's part of the fun.
0: It is part of the fun, and we've part of the fun is we've got four more rounds left of the four. is isn't yeah,
1: it? Yeah, no, it is four. But I, I actually, I, I it just reminded me of a question that I wanted oh, to okay. put to you that I, I haven't mentioned before. So it is a question without notice because we I, are sort I don't of. Know if I- because we've seen the vast majority of the season, obviously we'll have a player of the season award to be to be giving out. Is there, I mean, there is kind of a, a shootout going for the golden boot mm. over at Heidelberg. Could you make a case that it's a shootout for the player of the season award as well? I don't know. Is there someone with just four games left to go, which I guess is enough time to decide it in one direction, who stands out as a potential player of the year in the NPLW?
2: So to me, it's kind of a basic answer to say someone who's right at the top of the golden boot, but for me, it's more, it's not a contest between Danielle Wise and, and Steph Gilea. For me, Steph Gilea has, for me, she she would probably deserve to win that accolade in my mm. mind, because for me, the the growth and the progress that we've seen at Heidelberg in this in this season is is remarkable. to discount that and how different things are now than what they were before. And Steph Galea does more than just score goals. She's so pivotal to how Heidelberg plays so often in I,
1: the I actually think I'm going to agree with Oscar. And the re- no, the reason it. the reason is, and it's sort of what Oscar is, is getting at there, yes, more versatile than... Getting at, okay. Well, like... <laughs> said. Articulate for
2: me, go ahead. Uh, no,
1: but <laughs> you take... If you had the the option or a gun to your head kind of option here of taking Danielle Wise we out don't of hi- guns on FNR, by the way I just
0: want no but I'm sh- just
1: saying it, it's a figure of speech <laughs> I'm not I'm not actually <laughs> advocating the use of a gun or putting it towards someone's forehead that is more often than not in fact almost always maybe even always a bad idea <laughs> more often than not. <laughs> I guess it's context <laughs> I guess it's context dependent if you're putting a gun to the head of a murderer? Well, then maybe it's a... Go- okay, I'm just going to yeah. stop. I'm going to stop now. Uh, but anyway, if you had to take a player out of this Heidelberg team to do the least damage, to destabilise it as little as possible, you would take out Daniel Wise. You would she, take out Daniel Wise because, you know, yes, she's scoring goals for fun, but she does have... Like, she she is not a player who can do it all herself, and she has had games this season where beyond the actual scoring of goals and being the, you know, um, end point on a team manoeuvre, she isn't always doing that much else.
0: Yeah, he,
1: I wouldn't say that about Steph Kalia.
0: No, Steph Kalea is phenomenal and I think you guys are right. It, I just, you know, when the first player that comes to your, mo- your head, that is like, it's just like instinct. And Daniel Wise was the first player to come to my mind. But listening to you guys think, speak about it... You are right. Steph clear has had a phenomenal season and she is very important to that Heidelberg t- team, if not the most important player. So I will concede what my first in- instinctual reaction was, but I think they've both had such tremendous seasons and uh, Heidelberg should be very, you
2: know... Are we being unkind to anyone at Calder, for example? Yeah, I'm trying to think oh, Kolder, who
1: else is in... I
2: do feel
1: as though perhaps colder are a victim of their own yeah. success because across, and Mark Tocasso, when we spoke to him, Bakua said this, he was so pleased with how evenly the load has been spread in mm-hmm. terms of attacking quality amongst the team. I think maybe, uh, Alana, Alana Churn perhaps is someone who could maybe stand out because she has been part of, I mean, we're talking about goal scoring, yeah, gonna the see. denial of goal scoring yeah. opportunities herself, uh, yeah Julia Sato have have been a really big part of that and churn's also you know chipped in with with a goal or two particularly that that long range bomb we saw her score against uh, against FV emerging earlier this season so maybe she's someone who's also in the conversation perhaps someone who really has stood out in one of the the lesser lights i, I probably haven't seen enough of her to judge this year but every time i've seen Sydney Allen play this year yeah. She's been really, really impressive. I don't think Player of the Year impressive necessarily, but I do think she's had uh, a really, really good season in in new colours from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, I, I think in terms of if you were like talking about, like the growth of a player I, this season, it's like probably in one of those lesser teams. I think Sydney Allen is like my runaway with it because she's been phenomenal. And Every time I see her play, she's she's you know she's active on the ball and off the ball as well, and I think that's something that has really helped her side throughout the, the year.
2: Yeah, and I would just, it's, I think my biggest gripe with these kinds of conversations is that we do just perhaps naturally, instinctively put less weight on defensive acts than we do at attacking acts. And so a team like Calder, which, whose success has been built on a rock solid defense, because fundamentally, defense is a more team oriented thing than attack. Of course, you do need a good team to attack effectively, but, but a lot of that can come from individuals who are individually creative and brilliant. Mm. Whereas a defense, but, but, but it, I would say an attack can carry people who aren't contributing as much, whereas a defence is so much more of a of a shared burden, so much of a team effort. So, so it's it's kind of we don't give all the time. I think the requisite credit to defenders, or even goalkeepers, if I can add.
0: You know what? These conversations they could go on forever. You know what? People could bring up new points, and uh, we would be we'd be stuck here for a while. They could do that. They could do that. Yeah. They, could, they could do that. Maybe uh, they have
1: strong thoughts about uh, how often. You know, of a hundred times, is it a good idea to put a gun to someone's head? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe think, that's their. I thoughts. think
0: if you change to a water pistol, you know, if, if you know, if you're playing a game with a water pistol, I think yeah. you can
2: make an argument that more often than not, it's a good idea to put a water pistol to someone's head.
0: Yeah, you might get them out. I don't know how water pistol games work.
2: I don't really. I don't like. Well, them. I just. Spray I with a water pistol. I
0: don't
1: really. I'd actually rather not put it to their head because then you're not getting as much sort of of a water stream out <laughs> of the end of the gun. Write. Then it's kind of just, you know, dribbling <laughs> against the side of their head, which is, if anything, <laughs> quite disappointing. really sad. <laughs> yeah, just, like, that's, that's just... Lucky their would their be the worst So, no, I like, would actually... Advocate against <laughs> putting a water pistol to someone's head. 30 centimetres so, from the head. Great so idea.
0: Like annoying to play like, Nerf Wars with or something. Because Lucky would just be... <laughs> Again, bew, another bew,
1: situation where I would bew. not put the gun exactly. against you someone's head. Because no <laughs> chance for the yeah. air to propel the dart <laughs> out from the gun. F.R. does Nerf <laughs> so Wars.
0: <of> <laughs>
1: um, I'm not saying no. There's
0: nothing else I feel like we could add to this show. Oscar... Uh, Lockie, thank you. We're
1: not, we're not doing the games, for, we're not predicting no, the games?
0: I just feel like we've, we've gone to Nerve Wars, I don't know where we can go from No, there. no,
1: no, we have to play the roulette, Russian roulette that is uh, trying to predict the weekend's fixtures, even yeah. if it is quick fire.
2: It okay, is. that one was unintentional, oh, that one God. was unintentional. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. the first game of next, of this weekend on uh, Saturday. Uh, it's three a p- huge
1: game. Yeah, yeah.
0: at three p.m. at Dorothy Laver West Reserve. What a like that's a mouthful right there. Uh, Alamein Alamein FC versus Box Hill United, which I think is gonna be a really interesting game. Oh, uh, mm. Oscar, you are the guest uh, yeah. today. What what's your prediction for next week's
2: Alamein three one. Ooh, that's Wow. Great. Wow, that is That's, a big, that's a big prediction. Yeah. very
0: big. Oh, going for God. it. I like that for you, man.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to go... Oh, I don't want to go two-all draw. It might be too triggering for, for Alamein, <laughs> given the season they've had. But I will go two-all draw. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Box Hill could spring an upset, potentially. Potentially, just because of what's at stake for them, if they can win this game. But, nah, it's... it's Probably going to be a draw or an Alamein win, but I'll say I, draw.
0: You know what? I'm, I'm going to go against the panel just for vibes today. I'm going to go Box Hill to Alamein one. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. okay. We'll close go. though. Very
0: close. Very close game. Um, then we head up on to 3pm kickoff uh, at Keelaw Park Recreation Reserve. We have Coady United versus Harderberg United, which will be the biggest game of the weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a pretty
1: good match week, to be perfectly honest with yeah. you. It's
0: really important if Heidelberg win, that's four points ahead of Calder. Two, because they're one behind up, now, but yeah. they'll have the game yeah, in hand. Hands, so yeah. if they
1: win that, they can make it five Look points. Me failing math. It's yeah. really the title, <laughs> the, the Premier's play you would guys be... You struggled yeah. with English, I struggled yeah. with math.
0: How did we get through Yeah, 12? the Premiership would
1: be would be <laughs> wrapped up if they won this and the game in hand,
0: yeah. pretty much. So, mm-hmm. lucky. To you,
1: what Heidelberg colder? What are your thoughts? Ah, uh, I think colder have got to win this. Have okay. got to win this game. I'm going to say two one, and the reason I'm saying that is twofold. Part of it is I think it is impossible to argue that colder are not, even if Heidelberg do end up, you know, finishing as the top team at the end of the season. You know, premiership wise, not grand final necessarily, that's a different thing. Even if they do, I still think it's almost impossible to argue that Calder are not the best side in this competition. Yeah, no. The numbers are hard to lie with uh, or hard to... Sorry, hard... What am I trying to say here? <laughs> the, hard to argue against. <laughs> the numbers struggling. are hard to argue against. The, the goals scored, goals conceded, like, they're just streets ahead of every other yeah. team in this competition and on the other hand, there are some XG stats that I've seen through the Packs mm. to suggest that perhaps at times Heidelberg have maybe gotten a bit more of a, a, an overperformance in terms of their finishing, particularly with you know the two best goal scorers in the league, than perhaps other teams have done this year. So I think Calder will win uh, because they are the best team in the competition. They deserve to win this game and finish atop the NPLW Victoria table. But also the... Uh, Second part of my two-fold reason why Calder should win this game is that I want Heidelberg to end the season having not lodged a single draw. And this is probably the game <laughs> where they'd be most likely to draw. Yeah. So I want Calder to win and I want Heidelberg to end the season with not a single points shared on one of their match days.
0: Fair enough. Oscar?
2: I mean, that was a very compelling statistical argument put forward by by Just go with the vibes. Now. Yeah, I am going with the vibes because I feel like that's <laughs> the basis of so much of Heidelberg's success. With the greatest respect, uh, that, which isn't to take away from what they've achieved, but rather to say that that's one of the one of the positives of how they've gone about it is that it has been there have been very good vibes. Mm. Um, so my vibe says Heidelberg get two early goals and then call, called a. Claw it back. That was a tongue twister. going
0: call, crawl or call, what were you, what word are you going well, for? It as could as go as either way. Yeah. You can,
2: I guess you can crawl yeah. back but, but to they, a two-all. But they claw it back to a two-all. Okay. And then we get the first draw. Colder can concede twice. It's like,
0: Ooh, it doesn't make a good, sense. That's a double. Okay. Uh, yes. I will go Calder 1-0 win. I'm going to keep a really low scoring affair. And it's just harderberg, you know, hog yeah.
1: packed. Yeah, that I mean, that is kind of their mo. Yeah. Yeah. colder Other teams scoring has not really been yeah. the uh, been the been the go. Uh,
0: and then on Saturday, just a, half an hour later, three thirty kickoff uh, between Bayside United and Bullen Lions at Kingston Heath. Um, I'll start with myself, actually. Why not? Um, go for it. I will. I think that it's going to be Bullen five. Bayside yeah, well, one.
1: We, I think we probably could have set our prediction for this game simultaneously, <laughs> unless Oscar is about to stun me. It,
2: Bayside, no. it was a pretty <laughs>
1: convincing win for FC yeah. Bullion Lions last time. The only sweetener on the prediction I'm going to make is that uh, there's going to be a consolation goal for Bayside yeah, and, nice. and Five, why, not, one. why not give it to, uh, to Julia to I think two yeah. consolation 6-2. 6-2? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Spicy. Fascinating. Spicy, Oscar. Fascinating.
0: Um, and then the final game on Sunday at 3pm at uh, Knox Regional... Football Centre Which is What a
1: vibe Cold and windy
0: Cold and windy And Great place
1: But Should be a good game On the artificial turf On Sunday Emerging South Melbourne I Mm. didn't
0: say
1: that But you know I genuinely Like usually When I make predictions I I don't know about you guys But I always have A gut reaction Mm. That is Mm -hmm. telling me What I think Without Like just with Glancing at a fixture I know Even if it's not based on Any logic I know where my sort of gut, yeah. what direction in which it's sending me. But I'm looking at this fixture now and the gut instinct for this game is just not, it's not there. It is yeah. not there. I, I, I can barely call which way this one is going to go.
0: Uh, I've, I'm.
1: So I'll leave you two to it for now. I think,
0: <laughs> I think I've, I've got FV emerging just coming out on top. I don't know why, like there's not like a real, like I've got no basis, no facts yeah. for this at all. I just think that FV emerging just, they just do some weird things sometimes. And I know South Melbourne do that, but I don't know, they've,
2: they've uh, been
0: having good time lately. So I'll go, I'll go, I'll go 3-2 FV emerging.
2: Interesting, interesting. Because I think part of the challenges is FV emerging in particular are so hard to predict. Yeah. They're so when you've got such a, I mean, of course, all the teams are young to an extent, but particularly for f emerging, and, and that brings with it inconsistency. So it's it's really tough, and, and I think we all share this lack of vibe uh, <laughs> prediction. Uh, I was also thinking 3-2, but I was thinking it would go the way of South. Oh, fair
0: enough. Yeah. Look at that. We've, we've split the predictions down the middle. That's okay.
2: And
1: after a lengthy period of deliberation, I, I will go for South Melbourne as well. Fair enough. Yeah, I just think that the consistency... Um, of their last few weeks. And also of their squad. I mean, no, John Lawson will be mm. a big out. Good point. But I do think of an area, if I had to pick an area of the pitch where South Melbourne would be copping red card, missing a player for the game, it would probably be the attack. They've got a few good options there. If they need to, they can also take a player like Franny Iamano, who's been playing in the midfield, and Fair throw her into that, throw into that front... Yeah, friend of the show, Francesca Iamano, <laughs> uh, and throw her into the, the front line if need be. So they th- I think they've got a... Options there. Um, that was an accidental Jack Harlowism. Uh, my apologies. Uh, <laughs> South Melbourne are going to get the win.
0: <laughs> thank you. To, we've gone Nerf Wars, water pistols, Jack Harlow references. We've done it all. We've poor English, poor maths. We've we've had a full, complete show. I think, and you know, I think that's a perfect place to sign off. And thank you to everybody to joining us again for another week of Radio Dub with. With our, you know, special guest uh, Oscar, I don't know, Rutherford, Rutherford, Rutherford. I, I didn't want to make a mistake there. And Lachlan Flan- Flanagan, Flanagan, what was his name?
2: Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll I, go uh, with that for now. We'll go for with for legal purposes, for legal purposes,
0: fine. go with Flanagan. Uh, and I've been pure Friend pong, and you can always catch up. Or catch up on all the episodes. Of radios up and all our other shows on wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple Music. I don't really know Apple Podcasts.
1: Well, literally any podcast yeah, literally platform any is, is 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 the Even area SoundCloud. in which you can hear that
0: works. Um, so and on know. that
1: bombshell, we might uh, <laughs> yeah, we might wrap up the show.
0: Adios, everybody. Bye bye.
1: Pickett, she lays it off. Teresa
0: Palacios. It's an absolute.